0: i like to open up God's Word today, and, uh, you know, I've been thinking uh, for a while now about a short series we can do as a church, something that I think will be very relevant for us, uh, just given everything going on, and, believe, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, the first book that came to mind was the book of Habakkuk. Uh, don't ask me why. Uh, some of you guys tuning in are like, what's a Habakkuk? And uh, it's basically this short book in the Old Testament is short but super rich. And I just think it's so relevant uh, to what we're going through as a city, what we're going through as a nation right now. And so uh, if you would turn with me to Habakkuk 1. We're going to be looking at uh, Habakkuk 1 verse 1 to Habakkuk uh, 2 verse 1. Okay? So 1 verse 1 to chapter 2 verse 1. This is the reading of God's word. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture, swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet, for by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Amen. Well, uh, just to give you uh, a little context on this passage, um, essentially you have the prophet Habakkuk and you have the threat of the Babylonian empire uh, looming on the horizon. And you have this prophet looking at the state of his nation and all he sees is utter hopelessness and despair. Uh, he looks around and he sees economic disaster, wars, plagues, imminent social collapse. And it's not so different, I think, for a lot for what a lot of us uh, are seeing today, for what a lot of us are experiencing uh, in our own lives at this very moment. Now, the one thing that's very different about Habakkuk from all the other prophets is that uh, typically, when you read through the prophetic books of the Old Testament, most of the prophets actually spend a lot of their time calling out Israel, calling out the people of God for their wicked ways, calling on them to turn from their evil ways and turn back towards God. But, well, the difference in the book of Habakkuk is that this prophet actually directs all his accusations at God himself. You know, He actually doesn't spend any time calling out his people Uh, All of his frustrations are expressed directly at God. And you have to be pretty bold to call out God himself, but uh, that is essentially what he does. And basically this whole book is a picture of this prophet just wrestling with the idea of how it's possible that a good, holy, just God could allow such injustice and evil in the world. You know, how this good God, if he is in fact who he claims to be, could possibly be silent when everything around uh, him is just uh, collapsing before his eyes. And so um, I think uh, I chose this passage for us, um, first of all, because I do feel uh, as though a lot of us uh, need some words that can give uh, voice to what we're feeling. Uh, We need words that can express the emotions that are in our hearts, and I think the first thing I want us to notice is that the very presence of this text in Scripture, the very fact that God allows these words to be written in His Holy Word, is God giving His people permission to be upset? Is God giving His people permission to not understand, to be frustrated? You know, if you're tuning in and you're new to Christianity, Um, You know, I think a lot of people have the misconception that Christians are supposed to be these happy-go-lucky Ned Flanders type of people But over and over again in Scripture we see people the people of God expressing their frustrations very openly and honestly and on and not being okay with what God does you know, I can tell you that uh, as a father and as a husband as a friend as a pastor, uh, one of the things that I hate most is when I'm misunderstood, is when people misjudge my intentions, when people misjudge my motives, and I think my uh, my visceral inclination is always to lash out uh, and to defend myself, to justify justify myself, but that's not what God does. Uh, in fact, notice what God says when He answers in verse five. He says. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. In other words, God doesn't lash out. God doesn't rebuke a Habakkuk for complaining. All he says is, just watch and see. And even if I told you what I was doing, and what I was up to right now, there's no way you would believe it. You know, and I think, if you're a parent you can relate to this response. Uh, For me, uh, this past week, I've never heard uh, so many why questions from my kids. You know, why can't we go to school? You know, why can't we go out to eat at a restaurant? Why do we have to keep washing our hands? You know, and and you start with an answer like, you know, because people are sick or, you know, and they say, well, why are people sick? And then you say, well, because there's this virus going around. They say, what's a virus? And then every conversation essentially ends with me saying, even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. So now eat your dinner. End of story. And you would think that God would do the same thing here because that looks like what he's about to do uh, when he says that you would not, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. But then God does something hilarious he then goes on, starting from verse 6 to verse 11, telling him exactly what he's going to do. And he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. And he's going to go on and talk about how the Babylonians, these people that have been, uh, that are evil and corrupt and that are the bane of Habakkuk's existence, how these people are going to be God's chosen instrument to execute his justice. And Habakkuk, like clockwork in verse 12, is like, yeah, you're right, I don't understand. He goes right on complaining. He says, oh Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. Meaning, I don't understand how you could you possibly use something so bad to produce something good? I don't understand how you could possibly use the Babylonians to execute your justice. and I think for many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, that's what we're asking right now. You know we don't uh, there's a part of us that believes that that the part of us that doesn't believe that God could possibly use something as bad as what is happening right now with COVID-19 and all you know all the jobs that are being lost and 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 the the way that that our economy has been destroyed um how God could possibly use that for good and yet as followers of Jesus we know he can and the reason why we know he can is because God used the most shameful instrument in a cross to bring about the salvation of the world. If you were to go back to Jesus' time, and if you were to tell anyone that the way that God would bring about redemption and restoration in his creation would be through a cross, people would have been mortified. They would have scoffed. Because the cross was a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of weakness. It was a symbol of humiliation. And yet Hebrews tells us That when Jesus came, he did not come with the power of a sword. He did not come with might or on chariots. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And it's in that hope, it's in the hope that Jesus himself won through weakness, that we know even in our weakness right now that there is hope, that God is at work, that he is good and that he is faithful. For those of us um, who are feeling upset, for those of us who are feeling frustrated, I believe this passage gives us permission to just be. If you notice uh, at at the end of our text today, there was no resolution. Habakkuk actually doesn't get an answer. In fact, the way that the text ends is, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. In other words, I haven't gotten a satisfactory answer, so I'm just going to wait here and see what you have to say next. But Let me just say this. Even though we don't have answers, even though we're frustrated, please do not buy into the lie that a life without God is better in times like these than a life with Him. Please do not buy into the lie that a life without God is better than a life with him. Um, Notice uh, what Habakkuk does when he starts his second complaint in verse 12. I love this. He adds this little detail that he doesn't include the first time around. If you notice, the first time Habakkuk complains, he addresses God as O Lord. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But in his second complaint that starts at verse 12, he says oh lord are you not from everlasting my god my holy one in other words he's saying yeah i am angry i am frustrated i am anxious i am afraid but you're still my god i don't understand everything going on but you're still my god and i and and the reason why I'm so upset right now is not because I don't believe it's because I do and I think in there we see what it means to have a posture of faith in a time like this for many of us our faith is fragile right now it's but a small seed but I think if there's anything that the prophet Habakkuk teaches us is that that even that small bit of faith is enough for God That God's grace is still abundant. God still is listening. He knows. He provides. And he will ultimately be faithful.